Eric, where would you start first if you had to eat me? Where <laughs> where would I start first to eat you? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm going with shoulder. Shoulder? That's interesting. All right. I, you know what? I think if I, if I had to, I would go bottom up. I'd go from the feet. I'd go toesies first. From the feet up? Yeah. Oh my sicko. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, not. I just feel like not all of it's going to be too pleasant. But it, it, the better parts are probably going to be up top, and you want to save those for last. So yeah, I'm going toesies first. Do I? Do I have to eat the bones at all? <gasps> <laughs> devil's cut podcast i'm your host matt young and with me as always is my co-host eric rossi how you doing today eric i was i was a lot better before that one <laughs> a lot better for can of boys and can of girls it, I, it could have been worse i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> i think i i think i got the worst possible version of it but you know I wasn't trying to shy away from it. I'm not. I'm not doing too bad. Uh, I did find out, according to Spotify, I listened to 47 days worth of podcasts. So I think I might have to just take up like cannibalism, just to like run into new people and like make new <laughs> friends. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, was this that? Was that that year? That year? End of the year. Um rundown of everything you listen to that they do yeah yeah listen to how many days of podcasts it's sixty-eight thousand fifteen minutes of podcasts which uh translates out to 47 continuous days worth so i might need to just go like you know walk around behind like supermarkets and weird dumpsters so i can make new friends yeah, if there was ever a touch grass needed. <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot. But you know what? I think, you know what? I no, no shame, no embarrassment. I think that's an accomplishment. It just means you're helping contribute to the, the podcast ecosystem of which we're trying to become a part of, you know? That's a very I, optimistic way to look at it, and it I is, appreciate that. It outlook. is, you know? As, <laughs> as, a, as a fellow non-grass toucher, I really got, I feel the need to support you. Um, well, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. How was yours? Did you do anything good? Uh, I I stayed home. I did not go to visit any uh, family or anything, but Beautiful. it was very nice and relaxing. I got to hang out with the cats. Just unwind. What about oh, you? I'm very jealous. Well, you know, I had to visit family, the wife's family, my family, everybody. It's too much. Too much family visiting. I wish I had a stay-at-home Thanksgiving like you did. I uh I did not eat anything too crazy. So this uh little ramen ramen Thanksgiving? <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. I had <laughs> I had some real food. But uh <laughs> I'm I'm glad I didn't eat anything too weird or gross because this movie would have 
definitely made me reconsider my eating habits. <laughs> yeah, uh, viewers, we're, or listeners, viewers, we're not doing a video. Viewers, v- viewers. can they see us? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't put a cover on my webcam, so it's highly possible they can see me. But yeah, listeners, we are talking about for this week, the new Timothy Chalamet movie Bones and All, which is a was actually n- not a movie on my radar. I hadn't heard about it or even seen a trailer or anything until uh like four, what four days ago when you you suggested we cover it for the for the show, Eric. Yeah, I've been I've been keeping my eye on it. I saw some trailers for it. Uh, I think when I went to go see Pearl, you saw a trailer for it in Pearl. Yeah, it's been look. This trailer's been out, man. You you you've been hiding under a rock. Yeah, I I completely missed it. I seriously had not heard of this at all. It it was it was honestly that was the most shocking thing. Not even the the premise of the movie was as shocking as the fact that I had missed this trailer completely. It, it was uh it was pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I I would say it wasn't floating to the the very top of all of the other things going on in the horror sphere as far as you know like big premiere big news there's a lot of other huge titles coming out at the uh end of october so like getting pushed off to a couple weeks the end of november i don't think was a bad move for them no i think it was a good actually i thought it was a pretty brilliant release time frame it just uh i i mean i don't know i i can understand why it might not have been at the forefront of a lot of horror news because you know would you i i kind of struggle to call this one a horror movie i mean i was thinking about it a lot today and i also had a hard time just pinning it up on the wall as this is a just just a horror movie you set me up with the right expectations because uh you saw it first and then you you, you told me after you got out you you gave me the the preface that i should think i should give it the the crimson peak treatment where i should go in knowing that it's a it is not a cannibal story it is a love story with cannibals in it and i think that is the the perfect way to approach this movie because uh i i don't know if i would have I mean, I'm sure I would have liked it, but I think I definitely liked it a lot more knowing what I was getting when I went. Yeah, I, I think I was looking for a little bit more uh, tension, but it, it definitely served up some some gross imagery and some creepy characters and some some tough situations. So, like, it kind of sneaks in there, but it, I think it gets an asterisk at the end. Yeah, I'm going to definitely call it horror asterisk um, only because the I, I don't think that you're general lay person will really want to watch this movie beyond like the first like couple scenes because the beginning of this movie is pretty gruesome shockingly so uh, to the point where i was i was actually let down a bit by the tail end of the movie because this movie opens with like like so brutally uh, with, with like some really really tense scenes and some really gross body horror scenes that's enough for me to put it into the horror horror category i think if somebody had turned up the gore two more notches yeah i think it'd be a pretty clear cut yeah this is horror it treads on that kind of like you ever see the movie um into the wild that sounds so familiar it's like another one of those 
roaming nomadic individuals. I for, it's based off a book also. Yeah, I, th- I I believe I believe I have seen Into the Wild, but yeah, I think it it has that kind of like overly romanticized idea of what it's like to be on the road and to like live a more nomadic kind of drifter lifestyle. There's a lot of like seemingly silent shots of being in a car and looking at beautiful landscape. Yeah, lots of that. I mean, really, like I said, and like you had set me up to understand beforehand, like this isn't as much of a horror movie. It's just got horror trappings, but it really is just like a coming of age romance movie. Creepy enough that I I think it's it's definitely worthy to at least talk about uh, if you're if you're a horror fan, but you're willing to kind of like, you know, dabble in some other genres, too, if you want like a little bit of a, a, a mix and match. I think this one could work for you. It is definitely to be taken with a grain of salt. Our review here. We I think we both enjoyed this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's a, it's a bit of a slow burn. And it's not like a action packed like thrill ride, but it's got some some really good gross imagery and uh, the the writing overall and the acting is fantastic. I think wall to wall, all the actors are good and the cinematography and score in this movie really shine. This is a very good looking movie, even when it's gross it still looks really good yeah they got i they got trent reznor from uh nine inch nails to do like i think almost the entire score the score was so beautiful and like haunting the whole time it just i like i'll i still like am thinking about it i can hear the tune in my head it's really really good i would say this is one of the movies that you could probably like wait till it comes out on streaming or like dvd blu-ray whatever you do i don't think this is one that you need to like run to the theaters and see definitely a wait wait for streaming or or rent it movie not not that it isn't good it just the 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 big screen doesn't add anything to it like you don't you don't need the the big screen to really enjoy this the 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 storytelling and the cinematography and the 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 audio it's it's all going to be there no matter where you're watching it so yeah i mean go and support it if you really want to if you're already were like interested you big timmy stan (laughs) yeah if you if you really just want to give timothy chalamet money uh yeah sure go see it It, it, it's not gonna you're not gonna hate it uh but but if you're if anybody's on the fence you you can probably wait, but definitely watch it when it comes out uh, on streaming or when it's you can rent it on Amazon or something. But yeah, I say we get into spoilery territory. All right, yeah. So if anybody who's listening is uh, is interested in Bones and All, uh, if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want any spoilers, now is your time to pause it, go see the movie, you know, come back and and finish the rest of the podcast afterwards. But yeah, uh, this is this is it. Final call. Bones and All. A 2022 film by director Luca Guadagnino, who, uh, I don't know if you are aware of this, was the director of the remake of Suspiria. Oh, that you know what? That makes sense. Yeah, you can definitely feel his his directorial touch in this movie. It's uh, based on the book, the same title, by uh, Camille DeAngelis? DeAngelis, yes. Yeah, I I had not heard of this book or this movie at all. This was a, a completely new IP for me when <laughs> when you suggested it. Yeah, I definitely want to check out the book. 
I'm interested to see if it, like other uh, horror movies based off books, is uh, leaving some of the, the real good shit in the book. Uh, I'm interested to yeah, see right. what got cut out. Hope, hopefully it's more cannibal stuff and not more staring at scenery stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, yeah, so Bones and All, a sort of coming-of-age romance movie that also happens to be about uh, a group of people who are cannibals, but not like cannibals in the normal sense. They're like, they're more like vampires in this, in the sense that like, they're kind of like forced into the lifestyle. Like they don't just like, I mean, I, I guess this is a very existential conversation that we, this podcast isn't really about, about what actually makes a cannibal, but, uh, (laughs) <laughs> like like the the cannibals in this movie they're like born with this need the need to feed the need to feed <laughs> they say it a lot in the movie in the same way that vampires say it you know where you kind of like feel bad for vampires we're like well how could we feel bad for them that they suck blood they they need to it's not their fault yeah i the the rules on these guys are a little bit like kind of fast and loose in the way a lot of vampire movies are yeah very fast and loose it seems to be a relatively decent disconnect in the way where uh vampires usually get like really horny and it gets like over romanticized the relationship between like victim and vampire you don't think that happens in this movie no i think i think it seems pretty detached honestly i feel like all of the romance and everything else kind of revolves around the, true the it's not the meal that gets romanticized it's the, the journey <laughs> it's the the two people eating the meal you know you know it's not because usually vampires the romance comes between like the the eater and the one being eaten but in this movie, it's frequently like a a meal for two, and it's the two diners that get get the the romance going. Yeah, and they're never happy about it. That's kind of what I like is that like they they these are two cannibals who are very apologetic. Oh no, yeah, they really don't like it. So uh, the movie stars Timothy Chalamet, um, second to Taylor Russell. Real cool horror fans would recognize from the Escape Room movies because those movies are awesome and. Everybody should watch him. <laughs> um, yeah, she's the main she's the main actress for the Escape Room movies, and man, does she lift some weight? Oh yeah, in this film, carrying Timothy Chalamet. I think he was just like recovering from Dune exhaustion. <laughs> He's good in this movie, but like there were times where I'm like, Timothy's just hanging out on set. Like I don't know if he's acting right now or if he's just being his old skinny self. <laughs> uh, it, it, Taylor Russell was really carrying this movie, doing such a good job. Also, starring Mark Rylance as one of my favorite horror characters of all time, Sully. I love Sully in this movie. Man. I knew you would. I was Dude, watching it and I was like, Matt, you were like, that's this, this is a this is a Matt character, you know. Uh, and you know who our viewers might might know Sully as? He is the BFG. Oh, that's not the one I was thinking of. <laughs> He's the BFG from 2016, the big freaking giant. <laughs> what do you know him from? Um, what did I see him? Don't look up. Oh, that movie? It's a, it's that Netflix one about the uh, the world ending. He plays like the Steve Jobs type. Uh, got a really funny, yeah, yeah, funny he's, character in that he, one. He is transformative in this movie. He's such a different 
character than I've ever seen him. Like, BFG is like a nice, fun, lovable CG character. And in all those other roles, I don't know, this one just, he was such a haunting character in this movie. Really sold it. Anytime he showed up, you, you can ask, you can ask Heather, my fiance, I... I literally audibly gasped in the theater. I was like, oh, Sally's back. <laughs> I was so excited. He's wild in this movie. I think S- Sully steals the show, which is a shame. Bec- it's a shame because he's he's only in it for like a very small portion of the movie. I say we get into it. Uh, yeah. All right. So bones and all. It, this movie is filled with like time period, like month cards and uh and, and location cards we get like big bold letters for anytime we go to a new state or a new month yeah it's 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 very chapter oriented it's i don't remember who says it but i'm pretty sure it's set in like the mid 80s it, 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 you can you can definitely parse that by just contact clues from like what's on the news and like what people like kind of in passing reference it's set in the mid 80s which makes sense because there's no way any of the shit that happens in this movie would go unnoticed today. Oh, yeah, no. This is a story that just cannot happen. <laughs> Especially the way these characters behave. The, the characters in this movie, who are cannibals, they spend most of this movie covered in blood. Driving me insane. And they, they, leave, ev- they leave evidence everywhere. It is crazy. How swiftly these people... If Dick Wolf was writing these guys, Stabler would have got them. (laughs) It's crazy. There's no way they would have gotten away with this. But yeah, so we start the movie in Virginia. Um, Like like I said earlier, I mentioned, the, the cinematography is beautiful. Lots of, like, really confident shots. Like, lots of long, like, far away shots where, like, the the... People filming really had to know exactly what they were doing and what they wanted out of the the scene, you know, like like it's not it's not a very like quick snappy movie where you can hide a lot of your like mistakes behind just like snappy film filmography. It's a lot of uh, lots of scenery, lots of setting the mood for the event you're about to witness. So we start the movie with our main character played by Taylor Russell. Her name is Marin, uh, and and that's M A R E N. I spent the whole movie not being totally sure if her name was Marin or Mary, <laughs> <laughs> and it was really at, to a, at one point was really taking me out of the movie because I could not fucking figure out what people were trying to say. <laughs> uh, but we focus on Marin. She, I believe, when she this movie starts, she's like sixteen, seventeen. She's at she's just a young girl at school she seems to be a bit of a loner type uh she has a friend who comes to meet her while she's practicing piano alone in the auditorium and the girl invites her to a slumber party she says like i'll try to be there but like we get some like hesitation like maybe her dad's gonna be uh strict or something like that uh he picks her her dad picks her up from school they did a good job in this movie because he's clearly uneasy just existing which is fair yeah uncomfortable dad yeah he's a very uncomfortable dad but you're not really sure why if you haven't seen the trailer but he he goes why don't you drive home and i thought this was funny the only reason i mark it is because 
they get home and she asks as they're like getting out of the car, how was I? And he goes, you were great. We just have to work on that parking. And I was like, that's crazy. Nobody, nobody's learning to drive pointer is ever like, you're great, except you don't park. Yeah, except you can't park. The driving, <laughs> fantastic. Stopped at every red light, every stop sign, good braking, fantastic lane change, merging on point. But you did run into something when you parked. Like, but yeah, what? But you parked a, a little off. I was like, all right, small talk. Let's, let, <laughs> whatever the writers were doing there, or maybe they let him just kind of like. Riff that one. Just go, go with it. Just riff that one. And I was like. Maybe a different take would have been. <laughs> it just, uh, I, I, I laughed really hard. I was like, parking? Your daughter's a cannibal and you're bitching about parking? <laughs> Only because I knew what the movie was about. <laughs> so yeah, you know, they have like a normal night. They eat dinner. They go to bed. Dad locks Marin into her room. And this is your first sign of like, oh, something's a little weird here. Why is he locking her in the room? But she sneaks out because they live in like a trailer park. So they've like a flat one story, like double wide. So she just sneaks out the house, walks an undetermined amount of distance to her her friend's house. Her friend tells her to like, (laughs) if you follow the power lines up to this main road, like I'm right on that road. You'll find me. She sneaks out in like the shittiest fucking night. It's like windy. It looks like it's about to start raining. It just sucks. It looks Dude. like shit weather to be like, oh, I'll just sneak out and run through the woods. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it gave me anxiety because I'm a I'm a very directionally challenged person. I'm really bad at finding my way to places without a GPS. I was like, there's no way I would have made it to this chick's house. I would have been dead, <laughs> wa- washed up on a, I would have gotten lost. Uh, you know, javelinas would have eaten me. That's it. <laughs> But yeah, she makes it to her friend's house and it's actually like a really awkward slumber party because like usually slumber parties have like, ev- I-, I would imagine, have like events that like, you know, everybody takes part in. But this girl seems to have taken like a particular interest in Marin. Yeah, I think she's kind of like, ooh, we can take this girl under our wing. She's a little bi-curious, I think, because she's like, th- th- they like crawl under like this like uh, coffee table and they're like exchanging like deeper more meaningful secrets and and having like a serious talk and her other two friends are like do you like my nail polish and the friend is like i'm having a conversation i think she's having that thing where she's like oh maybe this girl actually this girl's like new maybe she actually gets it maybe she understands me my other two friends are stupid (laughs) like just one of those like oh finally a real person She seems so super interested in Marin and like completely over her other friends, which I thought was funny. I was like, yeah, this is a funny slumber party scene. The turn happens so fast. I I thought the trailer of this movie was like hiding, you know, like I thought I, I knew it was going to happen during the slumber party. But like I thought like the trailer was making it like speed up a bit. Oh, no. But honestly, if you watch a trailer for this movie... That's as fast as it happens because uh, the the friend asks uh, Marin to look at her her new nail polish and Marin just like grabs her hand, looks at her finger, puts her friend's finger into her mouth and just chomps down so hard. I mean, it's an immediate like pain scream reflex. It's crazy. And we get just 
such a gruesome. I mean, this is like a degloving. Yes, I was about to say she completely degloves her finger, and it's so gross. You see all of like the fucking marrow and everything underneath on her finger, all the like raw finger meat. I was like, oh my god, she takes. This girl, this girl is going to the emergency room. That finger is gone. If you, if your finger gets messed up that much, like there, there's so many like tendons and like receptors and stuff in your fingers. If your finger gets fucked up like that, they cannot fix it. Damn, they just, they I, just, they just remove it. It's like from the the second knuckle out down it's like a lot it's of done. finger missing it's done she that whole finger is gone i promise you she's done <laughs> she's got no no ring finger on that hand it's and it's crazy the effects are so good it's so brutal honestly this might be the like goriest part of the movie uh, uh, yeah uh, maybe i mean it's definitely the most visceral it's one of those moments where it's like if someone takes pliers to like somebody's tooth or something you're like oh no not that part after this you're kind of prepared for what's to come with the movie so like anytime anything else happens you're like yeah well we understand now the way the characters act the girls are like pulling the Marin out from under the table. Ugh. Yeah, oh it's my so... god. It's like a dog that gets stuck on like biting something. You like they pull Marin away from her and the girl's finger is like still like in her mouth like uh... Uh, uh, and they're all screaming. Yo, kudos to whoever this friend is. Like her scream was on point. And her reaction like the scream at the moment of Munch <laughs> they they timed it so well that th- there was just like a slight delay as she like realized she was getting her finger chomped off like uh, uh so it's so good it's brutal it's so scary really good way to open the movie marin le- runs out of the house she leaves she gets back home she knocks on the door her dad's like oh shit you know like i locked her in but clearly she got out his immediate reaction is like you didn't <laughs> what a great line <laughs> yeah because this is this is how we know Marin. this is clearly not the first time that she's done this and which we'll we'll actually learn way more as the movie goes on so he says you got three minutes whatever you can carry in three minutes that's what we're taking and then we're getting out of here yeah he's got his bag like near the door he's already throwing shit in it before he even closes the door behind her yeah dad's ready to go that party, that slumber party, it escalated very quickly. And then we get our title card. Yeah, this is where you get our title card, bones and all. And now, right after the title card, we get a location card, Maryland. We were in Virginia, now we're in Maryland. We've moved. And it's May. It is May. We wake up in a very similar looking double wide, albeit a little bit less gross. But it has, they don't specifically say it, but it has been like, at least a year or two because oh, yeah because Marin's like a sophomore in the beginning and now she's 18 or at least she says she's 18 i guess that could be a lie but like if we're believing her it's been like at least a year or two i could believe it i believe there's a there's a certain amount of time that has passed we 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 wake up in this trailer Marin's looking for her dad she can't find him anywhere she goes to the kitchen she finds an envelope Inside is a cassette tape, which confirmed to me that we were in the 80s because I was like, oh, okay, we must be in the 80s because nobody would ever leave a cassette tape at this point in time. 
Uh, this, this is where we find out that dad has gone to find cigarettes forever. forever. He's got, he, I, I'm going to get bread and milk. Indefinitely. And he never came back. The old indefinite bread and milk trip. He leaves her like a message, which kind of is the through line of the whole movie. We don't get the full message until later on in the movie, um, but we hear bits and pieces of it as we go on. We get confirmation that he's aware that she has this this need to eat people. When she was young, the first person she ever ate was like a babysitter. Yeah, he says the first time you were three years old, uh, me and your mother were going out. We had Penny, the babysitter, come over and take care of you. And when we got home, her hand and face were all chewed up. Uh, and they thought she was dead. But then they yeah. looked and she was just sleeping. He says the first thing he checked was that there was something in your mouth and, and he pulled it out. And it was a piece of flesh with a hole in it, like where an earring would be. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I think so they say gross. no one ever found the babysitter, too. Like, I'm pretty sure he, like, hid her. No, yeah. He did, yeah. He he said later in a different section of the movie that so he ended up hiding the body of the babysitter. Oh, could you imagine getting eaten by a three-year-old? Yeah, like, right? Your whole shit, your hand, your face, your whole shit is fucked. Marin and the other characters we're going to encounter are cannibals, but they're, like, born cannibals. They're, it's not yeah. like they were made cannibals by life experiences or or anything. Like, they were... This, this, this story seems to suggest that they were always going to be cannibals, and... The other, they call them eaters in this movie, which I love. I love the term eaters. Yeah, I love a good slang. Yeah, a good, a good, like, in-lore slang is always, always a great time. And it's really visceral in this movie. And just calling them eaters is, like, a really good time. So, like, other, this movie states that, like, eaters can smell other eaters, which kind of like gives you a sort of like it follows vibe because you're kind of always looking in the background to see if other people yeah. are noticing the main characters because you're trained from the beginning to like know that they can smell each other and it doesn't matter what age they are. So like there, there's a scene later where like a little girl is at a diner and she like takes an interest in the two main characters and you're like, oh, she has to be an eater because she's like really interested in them. So anytime anyone in the background is looking at these characters, you're like, oh, oh do they smell you them? know, I didn't even put that together about the girl in the diner. But that oh, is a really? great point. Yeah, they're all yeah. like genetically dispositioned to to have like a more powerful sense of smell. Her dad has left her. Uh, he says, you're too fucked up. I can't be your daddy anymore. That's got to be a rough life for him, right? Like, he's just constantly, like, protecting her and trying to... Oh, yeah. He's had to cover up at least one murder. He could be linked to any one of these murders at any point. Like, it's, it's, it's just an extremely stressful life. I mean, I have to assume it's like living with an alley. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't really, like... <sighs> I don't fault him... Although I'm inclined to because I'm so attached to the main character, you know, but like it's really not his fault. Uh, he made a good call. He leaves. Dad leaves. Uh, Marin kind of like takes off. He leaves her with a his cassette tape and he leaves her with her birth certificate and her mom's birth certificate. So Marin kind of goes on a cross country quest to 
find her birth mother because her dad seems to suggest in his tape that like her mother was also strange. So Marin is like, well, my mom might know what's going on with me. So like, I got to find her. Marin also, so like the first thing that happens is she goes to a bus stop and meets like the sassiest bus stop lady of all time. <laughs> she's like smoke. This is back in the eighties. So she's smoking as much as she wants and she's just like, next. And, and Marin shows up and she's like, can I have a ticket to this place? And she's like, well, I'm going to, if you're going that far, I'm going to need your driver's license. And Marin's like, well, I got my my birth certificate. How's that? And she was like, hmm. She was just so, so, so sassy and so She's mean. A, just a great little character actress. Uh, yeah. She kind of tells her like all right that's gonna be x amount of money and marion's like i do not have that where can i get for like what does she say like 49 bucks she's got like almost no money so she's like all right well we can get you to detroit so she hooks her up with the uh the ticket she kind of they kind of have like a weird interaction where she's like aren't you supposed to be in school and she's like mind your own fucking business yeah basically (laughs) so yeah so marion takes like the bus as far as it can go she ends up at a bus station like super late at night. And this is where we get, this is where we meet Sully. And he does kind of like a Michael Myers impression where he like, <laughs> Marin like looks out to the the town and she sees Sully like cr- creeping behind like a tree, you know, like where he's just like looking at her from really far away. Uh, and so she just kind of keeps on walking. And then eventually uh, this guy meets up with her. It's relieving almost, at least to me, that like you never feel until the end that Marin is like threatened, you know, like it's not like you have to spend the whole movie being like, oh, someone's going to rape or murder her. Yeah. You know what? I didn't even think about that, but there, there's definitely like a sense of danger, you know, at all times. But like it's never like a world ending sense of danger she's a lot more suspicious of everyone yeah like she's she she obviously has a degree of suspicion she is the predator you know so Mm -hmm. like it's nice to experience like sort of this coming of age tale like through the eyes of of a woman where everything isn't always defined by like could this guy hurt me you know? Yeah. There, I mean, there, I think there's a, there is a healthy amount of suspicion, uh, when she comes in contact with these other characters, but like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's never like, ah, oh, this is, I have to be on my guard because this guy's gonna murk me right now. Um, but yeah, so she meets this guy and this dude comes out like, you know what it reminds me of? I don't know why. It reminds me of like an adult Peter Pan scenario <laughs> like this dude kind of this dude sully comes walking out of nowhere and he's got such a like how do you describe the way this guy I, talks afflicted he's like if you gave ed gein a shower a ponytail and a fly fishing vest that's how i would describe uh Sully. <sighs> Dude, he's Sully just like is... this weird, weird guy. He's got like a weird speaking affectation. He, he's kind of soft spoken, but very like soft spoken. Sure of himself, like he's like he he doesn't seem like intimidated or like uncomfortable at all. He's very like matter of fact, but he also seems to be like kind of putting on this politeness. Yeah, Marin meets up with this guy who uh is uh what what he he describes as he's another 
eater. Yeah, he says, I smelled you. Yeah, when was I the last you. time you fed? Uh, yeah, and he, so apparently this guy, Sully, can, is particularly gifted. He can smell people from very far away. I think he says like a quarter mile. Yeah, a quarter mile. And in the rain. He can smell other eaters, as in other people who have this predisposition to need to feed on people. Marin's a little hesitant, but she doesn't really know what else to do because she's like, what? She's like 16. Yeah. she. I mean, she's like a very... She's super young. She's super... Alone. Kind of desperate. Like, you know, she hasn't eaten people True. or food. True. So she's kind of like in, in a desperate strait at the moment. So she kind of like meets up with him and decides to trust him. He leads her. He goes, uh, come on home with me. Turns out... Home is just the place of somebody who's dying and not his home. Oh, it's so creepy, dude. When he, like, leads her into the house and they're, like, kind of talking in the kitchen, he's, like, rifling around, putting some ingredients together. Oh. He's cutting up some hens, some uh, some cor- Cornish hens. It's it's just so creepy. Like, initially, when I was watching this, I was like, wow, this guy's got a kind of nice house. It kind of makes sense. Me too, dude. Have, I- like, a house close to the, like, bus depot. He could kind of find transients. It's like a good place for like a predator to live. And then it slowly, slowly, the scene kind of unfolds and you realize like, oh, this isn't his house. This is not where he lives. I also thought that this was like, oh, he's got a good house. This is a good spot. No, <laughs> he he's chopping up these like Cornish hens. He makes it very clear from the beginning that he knows Marin is an eater. He, he even says, he says, I smelled you from a quarter mile away. I, I want you seem like a nice girl, but like I've got one rule and that's eaters don't eat eaters. Yeah. So that kind of immediately puts you like at ease. You're like, all right, well, he's not yeah, like he's got to be safe, right? Like he's got this yeah. rule. Like, like Sully's basically like Professor X. <laughs> if he only trained the mutants to eat people. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I would I would definitely subscribe to. Uh, it, it's so wild. He's so creepy, but so comforting at the same time. There's so something so like uncomfortably off-putting about him. The fact that this actor has never played Ed Gein is, like, mind-blowing to me. Like, I feel like it's a typecast. He would be perfect. He would be perfect. But, so, he's kind of, like, divulging her, like, hey, you know, like, this isn't my house, so they're kind of, like, walking around and... So, basically, the, the rules are pretty unclear for the cannibals in this movie, but as far as I know, they can eat whatever they want, eventually they'll be overcome with the overwhelming desire to devour human flesh is that what i'm yeah so it's like any kind of addiction right right? so you start off where it's like okay i gotta eat this and you eat and then you can push off your craving you can push it off and push it off and push it off but it's just gonna build and build and build to the point where you 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 have to eat someone and you lash out just like she did at you know the slumber part she hadn't eaten for so long that when for it years, was just yeah. literally in her like in front of her nose she the compulsion just took over and she she bit the girl's finger but he kind of explains like the older you get and the more you eat the harder and harder it is to you know stave off the addiction right so do you think this is a like a straight like addiction allegory tale in in addition to uh com- coming of age i i think it's a pretty decent one-to-one like you know addiction metaphor 
It's like mm-hmm. not, it's not lightly handed, but I, I read somewhere that it also kind of deals with the concept of how people consume each other. Like not just oh. like in the eating sense, but in the idea of like you feeding off of someone else. Right. Yeah. I've, I've, re- I've read some articles about that as well. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I think I agree with some of them. He kind of leads her up the stairs. He's, he's telling her like, you know, can you smell it? It's upstairs. Like, you know, what's it smell like? And she says it's metallic, but not like pennies. Like it almost has like a muddiness to it. And they're slowly kind of creeping up the stairs and she finally gets to the room where the actual resident of the house is and it's this like old woman who's flat on her back barely gasping for breath and she's just like slowly dying on the floor so we like find out that uh, obviously this house is not sully's uh it's this older woman's and it's kind of a theme throughout the movie Marin doesn't want this like like she she's never overtly like I hate this that this is what I am, but she she doesn't ever really want to she doesn't want to hurt people. She she's okay with what she is, but she doesn't want to injure people. She doesn't want to murder people. Um, so she feels very uncomfortable. But you know, obviously the craving is so strong. Eventually, while she's staying there with Sully, this old lady dies. And then this this is an example of like, what part of the person do you start with first? You know, she picks the wrong part. Um, Let me tell you that she walks out. She like she kind of stays in this like side room and he tells her like, look, like, you know, it's going to be a while. I'm going to get some stuff ready, uh, but it's going to be a while before she finally kicks the bucket. Like, you know, you're going to need to eat. You might as well eat this lady. She's already dying. Like, there's nothing we can do to save her. There's nothing anyone can do to make her undead. So let's just wait it out. We'll eat and we'll we'll pick it up from there and we'll figure out where we're going next. So she kind of posts up in this like guest room and she's crying and there's a big old long snot string. Uh, it stood out to me. I was like, oh, God, please wipe your fucking nose. Oh, yeah, nose. dude, I was saying... This is the year. This is the year of uh, of snotty horror actresses. Between Mia Goth and Taylor Russell, horror actresses need to step up their game. If you don't got snot coming out your nose while you're performing, I don't want to see it. If you don't have snot trailing a foot and a half off screen attached to something else, yeah. failure. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. It like I've I've been severely changed. <laughs> in my views of how how horror actresses need to be able to perform you you got to be able to stream snot out your nose if you're going to convince me that you're scared i'm sorry she falls asleep at a desk which was the most uncomfortable thing i could think of short of standing in the closet and falling asleep standing up i was like there's a bed in the back you could have just like slept on the bed right Right there. It was right there. So she gets up. She walks out. She realizes that Sully is already digging it. He's he's moved this lady into the bathroom. There's like a plastic sheeting out so that like they don't make a huge mess, I guess. He is stripped down to his underwear and he is feasting on this woman. And she walks in. She kind of moseys around the other side and she picks up this lady's arm. And this lady has like... The fattiest, saggiest looking arm I could possibly imagine. It does not look like she has a single tendon of like muscle fiber anywhere underneath that skin. And she just like chomps into this lady's fucking bingo wing. 
I wanted to vomit. Her, <laughs> her bingo wing. Yeah, no, yeah. She she just goes to town on it. And so these are like the most brutal scenes of this movie. I, I think, right? You know, do you agree? The, the eating? The, yeah. Well, not not the eating, but like the beginning scenes with the eating. Like, oh, I see what you mean. Where they start the eating. Yeah. Once Marin and Sully stop eating, you know, whoever, whoever this woman is. After that, I, I think the movie really takes a pretty conservative turn. Yeah, a lot of stuff ends up off screen after this, but. The, this this one definitely gets us like I I would say to a pretty oh yeah pretty gross point like he's in his old man weird old man underwear and he's oh, like yeah. laying uh, flat dude, on his stomach Sully? like a seal like he's eating her in the weirdest way during this or after this is when we learn that like every time Sully eats somebody he does sort of like quilt situation where he he removes the hair from the people that he eats. And he braids it together and he's got like this like 20 foot long braid of hair from all the people he's eaten. It's so gross. He keeps it in this little plastic bag all rolled up like a wreath and he takes it out and he unfurls it. He like gives one end to Marin and he kind of like starts walking and like unfurling it as he goes oh it's so gross it's and he like goes to, he goes to get it out of this little like bag he has this like satchel bag that he takes it's with like him. a kroger it's like a kroger bag it's so bad but he leans down to pick it up and some gross like flesh chunk flops off of him onto the oh couch. my god dude i have oh. that written I have the flesh. I have the strip of me. It's like it's like a human tenderloin. <laughs> he has this just like strip of meat that just falls off his mouth onto the couch and nobody says anything, but it's very specifically pointed out and it's disgusting. It's it's so gross, dude. It just flops with such like a realistic looking weight to it. It just like flops down onto the floor. Ugh. Oh my god, dude. I like I, I was like, please let this scene be over so I don't have to look at this, like, chicken tendy flesh strip that fell right off this dude's lip. It's disgusting. Ugh. Uh, it's so gross, but it's awesome. It's so fucking awesome. Um, so they've eaten, and he's, like, you know, kind of talking to her about, like, you know, what the next move is and talking about, like, her, like, yeah, you know, he, like, palling wants, around and hanging with he, him. Yeah, he's expecting her and him to be sort of, like, a dynamic duo. Yeah, he's looking to take this new eater under his wing and kind of, like, uh, unfortunately, groom her into the kind uh, of, like, eater he is. Yeah. He says, you know, he kind of, like, implies how, like, solitary and lonesome this lifestyle is, kind of moving from place to place and eating people. And so he's like, you know, I'm going to go get cleaned up, but then we'll figure out what's next. And she's like, cool, totally, and gets the fuck out of there. Yeah, while he's showering, she skips town. But as the bus is driving away, she makes, like, eye contact. He shows up at the bus stop, and, like, they eye-to-eye with each other as she drives away. Yeah, so he's clearly, like, butthurt. He's left alone with his hair quilt that he has. Um, but then we get Dad Tape Chapter 2. We get to hear some more of the uh, the, the tape that her dad left her. 
Also, I felt super sad for Sully because, like, it's just this, like, old yeller sequence where, like, she just rides away from him. <laughs> and he's just so sad. He's just staring, like, abandoned he's, on the side of the yeah, road. He's just like, oh. We find out on the dad tape that she went to camp and ate some boy and uh the apparently he was so disfigured and mutilated that it was ruled a homicide mm-hmm. she was never even suspected it went completely unsolved yeah there's really no delay because we go from ohio and then we go to what's the in indian I- indiana? indiana um and this is where we so it at this point it's like a number of years later one or two years later Marin is on a road trip. She's looking for her family. She stops in Indiana at a uh, rest stop. She encounters Timothy Chalamet, who's just like a sexy scarecrow. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's just the dirtiest, uh, sultriest looking scarecrow in town. Right? She's like, like he's- in some kind of convenience store and she's like looking for some shit on the shelf and some douchebag guys walking around. He, like he is the most generic like let's cast an angry drunk guy uh, and th- and this is the dude. This is the dude they cast. Go find an angry townie and bring him back here. But he's, he's like walking around the convenience store. He's cracking open a six pack already. He seems fucked up on PBR. He's hunting down a sandwich we see him and he's kind of like being shitty to some of the other like people in the store and he's causing a big ruckus and catching a lot of attention and we get to see timothy whose character's name is lee and he's very crusty so Uh, crusty and she kind of like looks at him and she can i guess she must be able to pick up up on the smell and uh, as this other guy is causing a scene in the convenience store lee takes it upon himself to kind of like fuck with the guy and lead him outside he kind of like de-escalates the situation by like getting in this guy's face and like kind of talking shit to him and mocking him and the guy follows lee outside after she kind of like finishes up inside the convenience store she walks out back and she finds lee kind of leaving this weird abandoned looking like structure that's out back and he is like from under his nose down is just blood and chunks there's like a an a, a uniform that the the cannibals in this movie have to take and it's like every time they eat somebody th- there there's like a triangle of blood that just like forms <laughs> around them the whole time i was like it's got to be possible guys to like eat somebody but be like a little bit more clean about it like there has to be right they, like they, it seems like none of these eaters are like fork and knife type of people no, they eat with their are, hands and they their are mouths. hands and mouth people no utensils not even a little bit but it's kind of funny he like kind of waddles out from behind this like space where he clearly just ate this guy he's like you know he's around back on the other side if you want to like get at him like talking to Marin, kind of like implying like hey like there's scraps for you like you couldn't wipe your face off it's like so obvious that you clearly just ate somebody right our two main characters have met so we have Marin and lee they kind of run into each other like Marin tracks down lee because he beat up and murdered an 
ate this like like shitty drunk dude he pretty much invites her like hey like you know do you want to hop in the truck like we can talk in the truck and like almost like sully kind of like figure out what our next move is and she's kind of like look like you mind if i travel with you for a while i'm heading out this way i'm looking for my mom but i don't have any i don't have any way to get there and he's like we can kind of make a stop that i need to make and then we can head out that and he's got a fun hat he stole the hat from the gross guy and all of these traveling weirdos sully included they love hats they love a good weirdo hat yeah they really do um but they they take the dude's wallet the guy that they ate and they're like all right well nobody's gonna be at this guy's house so let's go crash out at this guy's house so they drive out there they kind of bust into his uh shitty house and it's just like this guy's like practically living in a flop house it's just like beer cans and bullshit all over the place but they find out he's got you know some reefer and some pbr and some vinyls so they're they're having a a, a pretty good night, all things considered. This is when they find out that he is really into Kiss, and uh, Timothy <laughs> yeah. Chalamet tries to like convince us that he was born in the year of Kiss. Yeah, it's so fu- it, it's funnier to me that Marin has no idea who Kiss is. Like they walk into this room in this dude's house, and he's got like his record player and this huge collection of vinyl, and he's got like posters on the wall. And the dude's like, "Oh yeah, fuck Kiss, yeah." And she's like, "What?" Like completely. Oblivious. And he's like, you don't, you don't, you don't know Kiss? Like, what? It's like the middle of the fucking 80s. They were huge. Huge. How do you not know? Finally, this motherfucker wants to take a shower. Thank God. I could not stay. Like, the amount of blood all over this dude. I'm like, can you uh, change your shirt? Take your shirt off. I don't even care. Just, like, get it off you. I was laughing the whole time during this movie because I was like, Eric must have hated this because his hazmat cleanup job must have absolutely given him the skeevies during the entire time here. I was just grossed out. Dude, you have shit all over your face. Can you just wipe your face off? Can you get a wet wipe? No. Use some spit, anything. It was just, it just made my skin crawl. I'm like, oh, you're so filthy <laughs> the, the characters in this movie spend most of it covered in gore just gross just look like unshowered filthy gross they crash at this place uh dude's got a waterbed which i thought was funny dude that dirty that dirty dirty waterbed this girl it, she has she has like a little pocket knife she, she sleeps i thought for sure she was gonna pop that waterbed Right? She sleeps in the waterbed with the open knife. I was like, sleeping with the open uh, knife. I was positive. Right off the bat. Dangerous. Crazy. Are you out of your mind? We were going to have a waterbed flood situation. I thought she was going to stab that thing, and there was going to be a whole scene where they popped the waterbed, and we were going to have to deal with it. We wake up. We're headed to the diner. We're going to catch some breakfast. This is what was funny to me is like, they eat normal meals all the time to keep themselves going. It's like they have like this secondary hunger. I don't think we ever get a confirmation as to how many years they can go without eating human flesh. But I guess we have to assume that at some point their their body's need for human flesh will overcome them. Yeah, I just think it out it just outweighs their like sense of priority. I think it just overcomes them and then they're like, oh, here's the thing, gotta eat it. But but they don't only need like they, they can eat regular food and they'll be perfectly fine. It just it just seems like this weird like secondary hunger. Uh, you know, I guess you can comp- you could compare that to how many serial killers, you know, t- tend to identify themselves or how how we've come to understand how serial killers work, you know? Yeah. 
that kind of like waxing and waning of like its control over you versus your control over your own ability yeah. to you know. and especially how the patterns the, the the patterns line up because you know serial killers tend to sort of ramp up as the years go by as well you know it's not it's not always it's very infrequently like a spree kill right out the bat it's usually like you know yeah it's like uh, we we test it out we keep going we we go a little further each time so eventually it tends to become a rampant spree kill but like it, it that's usually well after there's been like many many murders beforehand yeah there's an escalation yeah. factor but speaking of patterns we got to talk about timmy's outfits uh... this motherfucker wakes up and puts on the most insane combination of shirts he's wearing a thundercats t-shirt white with a graphic oh yo i love that thundercats t-shirt it looks great but it does not look great with this weird grandma print and fringe it's like this red shirt with like white polka dots and then like cowboy fringe so marin and lee they travel back to kentucky where where timothy's character lee that's where he grew up. Uh, he has a mysterious past with his father. Probably not so great. Um, he His sister is still alive. His mother is still alive. He seems to suggest that, like, it's not the best idea that he goes back home to his house. But, like, he can if he needs to. Um, he brings Marin back there. They When they're at the, the diner the morning after, they kind of hash it out. And he's like, look. I'm heading to Kentucky to see my sister. She's taking her driver's test and I want to practice with her before she takes her test. So, you know, I'm he's doing a good big brother thing. He's yeah. like, I might be a drifter scumbag who eats people, but I do got to show up and be there when my sister expects me to be there. Like he's made a promise to his family. They head to his aunt's old place. I guess his aunt died within the last few months so he's like i know nobody's gonna be at my aunt's house like we can go stay at my aunt's place but he can't be seen in town because apparently he's got you know a rough past with the town so they head over to the aunt's place uh he's telling her like look like no lights on you can't open the windows you got to keep the doors locked like nobody can know we're here you got to keep it on the dl and they kind of have a little bit of bonding. This is where, like, the romance of the movie really starts to, like, click up. Because she's kind of, like, starting to fall for this dude. And he's starting to open up a little bit. You get to see some of, like, a little bit more of Lee's background. Because, you know, you're in his hometown. You're meeting up with his family. You see that he has the softer side. I think this is the part of the movie where it it changes from, like, natural-born killers <laughs> into Twilight. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He goes out. He helps his sister with her, her driving. They get into a little bit of a fight. And, uh, like, his sister tells him, like, look, like, I don't know why you keep coming back. Like, you know, you make all these promises that you're going to stay. And then you you end up leaving. I, I don't think she knows he's an eater. No, nobody. I, I think it's a secret from her that he's eating people. That's why he can't be as upfront with her as she would like kind of chases him out of town he's like get the fuck out of here also that grandma shirt is insane so he's like oh i know where i can take you we're gonna sneak into the slaughterhouse oh yeah this is where we get this cute this is their first kiss right yeah they need they need some petty cash because they got to get the fuck out of town they, right they sneak into this like slaughterhouse 
industrial building, but they've got like classical music playing because Lee says, oh, you know, they play the music because it's supposed to, you know, calm the cows before they're slaughtered. So it's like this really really haunting like romance scene where like everything that lee and marin say to each other is romantic you know it it like it's super believable the two the actor and the actress they they're like on screen chemistry i mean i wouldn't say they're the most believable romance they're believable enough that like this scene you know sells it um it, it the the romance is just like we talked about with our previous podcast um, in Halloween, you know, it's a bit swift, but I believe it more between Marin and Lee because they're supposed to be like 16, 17 years old, you know? And they're also spending every minute together, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they're in the truck together, yeah. they're they're eating people together. It's not like... This weird week-long fascination from Halloween. Yeah, it's not like they're just, like, living their normal lives and then they spend, like, maybe 10 minutes a week together. You know, it, it, they're they're living together on the road. They, they've got a very specific, like, common set of circumstances. So, like, teens fall in love super fast, man. Like, it, 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 it really takes very little <laughs> for someone to be like, I fucking love you. You're a boy within close proximity. Yeah. You're a girl within close proximity. Ooh, like, that's it. It's done. So, yeah, right after that, we get another location. We're headed to Missouri. Yeah, they're, like, bridge jumping at the lake. They're, you know, they're they're just, like, enjoying being able to just, like, do shit, you know? Yeah, they're, they're taking a break from the road. They're kind of, like, camped out, right? Like, at the edge of the woods in the truck. Yeah, they're having a good time. And both of them, both uh, Lee and Marin... They, like, sniff the air, you know, which I th- I love it. I love when they, like, this movie teases you about what what they're smelling, you know? So Lee is not, like, really that worried about it. But Marin, like, at this point, seems to have, like, a kind of, like, this vindication of, like, she, she doesn't want to be evil. Like, she doesn't want to devour people you know yeah she doesn't want to be she doesn't want to be an animal you know what i mean she doesn't want to be someone who just slaughters and eats people and for her like this encounter with this other group of dudes is like really her first time where i think she feels like she has any footing in this world you know what i mean like she ran into sully and that was kind of like an introduction and then she ran into uh lee and it was kind of like oh i found like a buddy and now they're running into these other two guys and it's kind of like her first time where she can go like all right well i have eaten a bunch of people and like i do understand what's going on now to a degree but like lee is not as phased he's trying to play it like really cool because he understands that they are technically still in danger uh, I think Lee has a lot more experience with this because, like, even when she first meets Lee, she mentions the, like, never eat and eater thing. And he's kind of like, oh, yeah, rules. Everybody's got their own set of rules, right? Like, yeah. So clearly he's run into other people who have had, like, some sort of strict code 
that he doesn't seem to really subscribe to. He, she, she goes like, you know, he said, you know, never eat another eater. And he goes, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, like he, he barely even believes that. He's, he's far more skeptical. Yeah, Marin and Lee are camping out. But uh, so these two creeps roll up. Um, Brad and Jake. Jake, uh, as I have in my notes, he's in, uh, he's wearing classic cannibal cosplay. Yep. Yep. It's partially balding, long hair, overalls. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever pictured a cannibal, this is what Jake looks like. I don't, I don't really think I need to go even deeper than that. Like if there, imagine a cannibal, Jake shows up, <laughs> but he also has a friend who shows up whose name is Brad. Is this the cameo you were talking about? This is the cameo. What the fuck is David Gordon Green doing in this movie? Oh my God. Oh my God. I could not believe when I looked this up, I went, holy shit. Why? I saw it and I immediately was like, is that Danger Aaron from Jackass? And then I took like, I got like another good look at his face. I was like, oh no, that's David Gordon Green, director of the new Halloween franchise, like, trilogy. Dude, and, and you know what? It all, it all ties together. I, I just could I was like, what is he doing slumming in this movie? Like, what? Hey, he ain't slumming it. This movie is, it, it is, it's a choice award-winning movie. Uh, it might be award-winning, but we could talk about box office later. Oh, yeah, no. Box office, terrible. Terrible movie for the box office. <laughs> But uh, so they meet up with these two creeps from a distance that Jake and Brad are like, hey, like we smelled you down when you were jumping off the bridge with all those other people. We figured we'd trail you over here and see what's good. And they all cautiously come together. They make a little fire and they're chatting. And uh, this is where we get the title, the title drop almost. Yeah, we get the like full title card drop because Jake the uh the eater um um and uh you lose yourself? What happened? No, yeah, I did lose myself. Well, we're hanging out at the fire. They're kind of all comparing cannibal stories. He tells them uh, I think it's Jake kind of brings up the the phrase full bones, bones and all. And Marin and Lee are kind of like, kind of like tilt their head. They're like, what do you mean bones and all? And he's like, well, you don't know. Like there's before bones and all and after your life is never the same after like everything changes after. And they're kind of like, what do you, you mean you eat everything? Like the entire person? He's like, yeah, everything, the bones, the full, full bones. And he's like, you get a high like a, a rush like you you can't even imagine it's, it's it's like life shattering he claims that like you know once you eat bones and all it's it's like going back to the very beginning yeah and even lee is kind of like uncomfortably like bullshit like what are you talking about you can't eat the bones and everything and they're just like oh yeah <laughs> but like also we don't really know what but we, we don't really know what the rules are like are these people capable of devouring like like does yeah they're creepy they're <laughs> these two specifically are extra creepy oh yeah dude like i, I expected the, the jake character to be the big bad villain Oh, by the trailer and everything? Yeah. Like, we had the scene where we meet David Gordon Green's character. Oh, and weirdest thing about him is, is that, like, uh, David Gordon Green's character is not an eater. Yeah. 
uh, Jake kind of drops it on him. But Jake, who is, again, he's like hillbilly character design numero uno. <laughs> um, you find out that Brad is just a local police officer who found Brad e- eating someone and was just like, hey, you know what? That's pretty cool. Let me just keep watching. And why don't you teach me how to be a cannibal? But like, he's not an eater. Like, he doesn't need to eat. Yeah, he doesn't have the genetic predisposition like the rest of them do. And it makes Lee and uh Marin super super uncomfortable they're like what the fuck like you're not a born eater and he's like kind of bashful because yeah, like, they don't they don't really want to they don't want to have to eat people. yeah so he, he's kind of like yeah you know like i ran into this guy and he was eating a dude and i said you know keep on keep on keeping on let me see what this let me see where this goes and apparently they've been like butt buddies ever since i thought for sure these two were gonna be like villains numero uno throughout the film like i thought we were gonna be dealing with these guys forever lee and marin kind of leave in the dead of night and i don't think we ever see these guys again no they make a pretty stealthy getaway they the other two uh Brad and Jake are kind of like posted up in like camping chairs, like outside of the back of their truck, which is like, I'd say like five or six car lengths away from them. They kind of like drop the truck into neutral and like slide down this hill backwards, flip the ignition, turn it on and take off. And uh, Jake kind of like chases after them, like almost drunkly. You, you don't really know what's going to happen. It's kind of scary, but they make they make a pretty clean getaway. And then we uh, we end up in Iowa. What's IA? Uh, yeah, Iowa. We've kind of we've kind of moseyed through another like the the other horror scene. So now we're back to romance. Yeah, we did the we did we had a scary moment. Now we're back to romance. Um, this is when we have like they go to this carnival in Iowa or Indiana, whatever the label is. Um, and they go there and they pretend to just be a normal couple and they split up and Timothy Chalamet's character like has this weird, like flirty moment with this other car with this carnival dude. And I thought this was like another eater, right? Is this what you thought, Eric? Oh no. I, cause they're on the Ferris wheel and they're making out and she says, I'm hungry. Yeah, she does. And he's kind of like, yeah, totally. So now he's like on the prowl. He's looking for like a victim. He's he's on he's looking for prey. Uh, I I felt like this scene was brutal, but also felt like like a little uh unnecessary. Yeah, I I felt like it it gave it gave a lot of uh it showed a lot of like who Lee is. It kind of showed that like he's a not afraid to just pick somebody up out of the crowd. B, he's not afraid to lie to anybody to get what he needs to get. And he's very adept at executing it. You know what I mean? Like, he he knows how to flirt. He knows how to schmooze these people over. Yeah. He pulls up on this carny guy working this stand, and he kind of flirts them, and he's like, yo, like, this place sucks. Like, what's good? Like, what's going on after this? And the guy's like, I yeah. got some fucking weed in my truck. If you want to wait, I'm going to close down the stand in, like, an hour. You can meet me out back. I guess my my only problem with it is that it was, like, like 
it, it, it just seemed very like brutal towards the, you know, LGBTQ community, like it, it, in a way that like. OK, so you're saying it, it's it made you feel uncomfortable because you, he knew that this guy was like going to play ball. He it was like a target. Yeah, it felt it felt uncomfortable in a way that it was pretty brutal and clearly was going to make a cer- like like certain people uncomfortable and it didn't need to almost like the beginning of it part 2 i think this is worse like in the beginning of it part 2 it was clearly to show how deeply the evil of the 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 extra dimensional being of pennywise had like penetrated into the town you know like the the comeuppance of the the 27 years was about to hit and it, it made sense that like people were starting to like get rowdy and like b- that people were going to be sacrificed. But in this, th- this particular scene, I was like, I-, I don't, I don't think Lee needed to literally slit the guy's throat while he was about to finish because he was jerking him off. You know, it was like, it was brutal. Yeah. And the movie didn't really like play with like sexuality at all. You know, like, like she didn't care at all. Like she's she literally like Marin's character stumbles upon this like sequence in the cornfield and she's just like, ah, yeah, you know, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Like he he wields. Uh, yeah, he wields his influence over this guy because he knows he's an easy target. He knows that he's going to be able to easily isolate this guy. I kind of get where you're coming from it. it but they they're they're predators. That's what they are. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yeah. They they are. It just seemed like it just seemed very mean. <laughs> like literally just killed this guy while he was ejaculating. And yeah. I was like, "All right." <laughs> like but the the fact that like Marin's character like cuz she has spent the whole movie like I don't want to kill people. I don't want to be mean. And then she sees that and then she's like, "Yeah, whatever." You know, like it, You'd think she would have seen that and been like, well, there's no way I could possibly love Lee. Oh, okay. So you're you're saying as she kind of like walks up, they're like in a cornfield. And for whatever reason, he's behind this guy. And the guy has like no no pants on. And he's doing a reach around situation. He's jerking him off. And then he slits his throat during the reach around. So like you're saying like you think Marin would find that to be so like heinous that he murdered this guy during this like sex act that he's like that she's thrown off by it like i i just think that like the movie is trying to tell us that lee is evil to a degree where like it's it's a passable evil like we can't you know like he can't help it he was literally born with a like like a vampire like he has to drink blood Dracula has to drink blood lee has to eat people marin has to eat people like that that's just how it is let me ask you would you feel this would you feel the same way about the scene if he just straight out killed him if he wasn't like getting into it with him would i feel as bad about it yeah or do you do you think that it says more about the character that he waited till they were intimate to kill this guy. I, I think it's worse that he waited that they were intimate. Did it make it worse for you that as soon as they killed this guy, uh, Lee immediately bit his nipple off? Oh, dude, 
The nipple first, I have the nipple first bite. Nipple first is just, uh, the first bite of all of these scenes is crazy to me. It's like, man, you guys have not considered any part of eating anything. It's just like, oh, well, eat the whole thing. Like when you asked me at the beginning, I was like, I was like, I guess I would start with a part I would want to eat that wouldn't be gross. Lee eats this dude nipple first. And I thought that was a crazy a crazy place to start. Yeah, I would not start nipple first. That seems like... I mean... Oh, no. Is that like when you have a pizza with like just like a little bit of pepperoni on it? And you're like, let me get this pepperoni bite real quick because I know it's going to be good. Maybe. Is this similar? Am I awful? Am I going to jail now? So when Lee uh, seduces this dude and then um, brings him into the... Uh, <laughs> The field, I, I have written as, it's corn. It's corn. It's corn. Because he leads him into a cornfield. And so I think the the trending theme throughout all of our reviews is just going to be corns involved at some point or another. Let's see how many more corns we can get going. Let's see how many more corn movies we can sneak in. Well, they eat this guy. They, uh, again, leave riding around dirty, just like covered covered in fucking schmuck schmuck yeah so Marin's driving the guy that they just ate she's driving his truck and they took his wallet they're like all right let's go to this guy's house kind of like the move they pulled on the other guy they pull up to this dude's house and they kind of ride down the road to kind of like scope it out he sends Marin. he's like oh like check it out see like the lights are on in his house and there's cars there so she's like all right figure out what's going on in there Marion gets a heavy dose of reality because she sees that through the window, there's at least three people in the house. There's what looks like to be this guy's possible wife, a baby, and then someone else in an adjacent room. So she immediately starts freaking out. She's like, holy shit, we just ate this, like, family man. Like, he, he, you know, he's got a baby. He's got, like, a wife. She rushes back to the truck, and she's, like, frantically, like, scrambling to open up the truck. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, what's going on? And she flips down the visor, and you see all of, like, these family photos of this dude with his baby and, like, his wife or baby mama, like, just, and she's totally wrecked. She's like, fuck, we just, like, took this father away from this family. Like, this isn't what I wanted. Like, we were supposed to be just getting this one rando loner, and we, we fucked up. And she's feeling a major emotional toll from this. Like, she's like, oh, shit. And he's trying to calm her down. He's like, you know, like, we didn't know. We didn't know. It's not our fault. Like, just leave the truck here. Like, let's get out of here. So she finds the smallest phone book in history. Um, oh, yeah. She makes it to Minnesota. She finds the tiniest uh, phone book. She she finds the, the most recent location of her mother. <laughs> uh, and, and she finds, I thought for sure this was Sally Fields. I did, too. <gasps> it's not it's definitely not but it looks like sally fields i don't think it is i'm positive that it's not but it does kind of look like i really thought it was her it does kind of look like sally field so this is her this is her grandmother barbara kearns she kind of like walks up to the house and the lady's like what the fuck is this girl doing she's like trying to like casually back into her own house she's like hey like you know the, i'm looking for my mother this is her name like do you know of her where you know she might be and she kind of invites her inside and she's like look like you know your your mom's been dead for years like she's she had a really rough go and 
I don't really know what happened. She's trying to kind of like push the subject away. She's like, look, like uh, she's very like protective of this information for whatever reason. Yeah. She explains to her that like, look, I, I don't really know how else I can help you. Uh, You know, I, I'm I just need you. I'm going to need you to leave. And she kind of asks her, uh, her grandma, she's like, did my mom ever hurt anyone when she was a kid? And it like totally flish, flips a switch in grandma. She's like, kind of, she kind of pretty much dishes it all out from there. She's like, look, your mom was adopted. She was abandoned at a sheriff's office and we adopted her. She's not dead. She checked herself into this state hospital like years ago. So then she has a clue and she's like, all right, thanks for nothing, but we're, we gotta get out of here. So she, she takes off. She, you know, grandma tells her like, I don't ever want to see you again. I don't want to know who you are. I don't want to know anything. Yeah. She specifically goes like, just, I'll tell you what you need to know, but just so I can confirm you won't ever come back here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like she does like the double confirmation. She's like, just so I know. And then she goes to, um, I believe it's, I believe it's called like Ferris Falls. And Marin's able to track down where her mother is. Nurse is able to bring her to, to her mother. The nurse introduces, uh, Marin to her. This is where we find out that her mother has, am I correct in assuming this? Her mother has chewed off her own hands. Yeah, so she walks into the cell where her mother's being kept, and her mom's, like, tucked into a corner in the other side of the room sitting in a chair. The camera pans around the side of Marin, and you see the mom's face, and then you see some of her body, and then it kind of, like, gives you a shot where you can see her arms, and it looks like, I'd say, about a third of the way up her forearm completely gone it's like double amputee like no hands at all and she's got this she has a like a scar on the side of her cheek that looks like teeth imprints from like the bottom of someone's jaw but she's missing her hands because this is based off a book you know i i i would be willing to believe that there's more context in the story but as far as this movie goes i think it's just that Marin's mother was distraught over her own, you know, sort of existence and chose to devour her own hands and then hoped that her daughter would find her eventually. She writes her daughter a letter and then she must go handless because I don't see how she's writing that letter with her mouth. But she wants her daughter to find her. And if her daughter is has also not eaten her hands or been devoured, you know, then she'll do it herself. She kind of like moseys over to her mom. Reads the letter to her. The mom tries to take advantage of the situation, goes to attack Marin uh, to try and devour her so that she can't possibly hurt anybody else. But that doesn't work out. This it was scary. This got me. When her mom jumps, I was like, oh, yeah, it was scary. She she leaves her this long letter explaining how, like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I had it rough and I had all these problems and I know you're going to have problems if you ever come to find me and I'm not here. Like, I'm sorry I couldn't last or I couldn't survive. But there's a quote in the letter uh, that mm. says the world of love wants no monsters in it. And it's right after she reads that, that, like, the mom jumps up and attacks her. It's just really good. It's just a really good scene. And so, basically, uh, Marin confronts Lee. 
he's a little bit older. He's got a little bit more experience. So, like, he's already kind of, like, come to terms with the reality of being an eater. Uh, and she is still, like, you know, finding her her own footing in dealing with that. And she thought, like, finding her mom was going to be, like, the end-all, be-all, and she was going to, like, fix everything or tell her the secret that she needed to learn no, to, yeah, you know, sure. like, be normal or whatever. And it wasn't that. So she's now lashing out at him almost, like, outside. Like, she goes and kind of gets in a confrontation with Lee uh, where she's trying to, like, vent about, like, oh, my mom just tried to fucking eat me. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't <laughs> understand why she locked herself away. Like, she could have been there with me. She could have helped me. She could have, like, helped me understand what was happening. She could have helped hide, like, with me and my dad and everything. And uh, what you were saying kind of reflects in this argument because Lee is kind of like, look, like, I don't know what the fuck you expected. I don't know what you thought this was going to be. I don't know think but like none of this dictates who you are like you know we can just keep on keeping on so marin eventually comes to you know kind of side against everything she's come to learn she leaves the the truck that they've been traveling in the whole time mm-hmm. uh she, she like leaves a handful of dollar bills on the uh the dashboard and it's just like this like long like one take of her like slowly sneaking away lee is just asleep the whole time in the car you know so like he has no way of knowing that 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 marin's leaving him like it's just it's so sad you want him to wake up but you also don't because you're on both people's sides it's it's pretty brutal I felt sad. I was like, I can't believe you're just going to leave him here like this. Like, he's sleeping in the truck, and she's driving. They pull into a gas station, and she just kind of, like, gets out. Yeah. You have a cool you have a cool scene where he's calling for her. Uh, and then I think after that, we have a time span montage sequence. It's been a couple months now. We get a cool shot of Marin. She's doing her uh, best uh, Maxine cosplay, where she's got just, like... <laughs> She's wearing basically nothing but denim overalls, you know? <laughs> so she leaves She leaves Lee, and she's kind of out on her own, and she's walking along the road. She's, like, mo- uh, heading past this, like, farmer's market, and who shows up? No, Sully. it's Sully. And he's got this weird van. Like, dog grooming van. Oh, God. Uh. He kind of confronts her. He's like, what happened? Like, you ran off on me. Like, that hurt me. Like, we're supposed to be, you know, the dynamic duo. Like, how come How come you left on me like that? It's so creepy because, like, so in the beginning of the movie, you know, obviously met Sully. They had, like, this, like, what is clearly an intimate moment. But, like, nobody in the movie has led you to believe that, like, this character would get so hyper-focused on it. He, like, shows up in this gross tan van. Sully just approaches Marin and is like, Oh, hey, it's nice to see you again. You know, I've smelt you since, like, seven states away. Yeah, oh my god. And she is even freaked out by this information. She's like, what? Like, you've been tracking me this whole time? Like, are you kidding? Yeah, she's like, "You've, you've been tracking me since this far away? And he's like, yeah, well, it's just been, you know, I've never met anyone like you. We got a bond. We got, I've never met anyone like you. I think we should stick together. 
But Marin is like, well, I just don't trust you. Which is like such a good, profound, like just straight character statement from like a protagonist in a horror movie. Like to be able to, I don't know many horror movies where I've ever heard the the main character go, you're creepy and I don't trust you. So I'm just not going to continue with this. (laughs) Yeah, it's very believable where she's just kind of like, look, dude, I'm not getting in that van. We're not going anywhere. It's just not happening. He's kind of like, well, I saw you abandon your boy toy back there. Uh, You know, I saw him at the gas station and she's kind of like, yeah, well, that doesn't mean I'm going with you. Like, we're donezo. Like, but he gets pissed. He hates He's it. Poor son. Unhappy Sully. about this realization. He 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 like throws this like big temper tantrum like this fucking incel. He's just like he's just a simple boy kind of vibe, and that's what made me believe that he would be a, mm-hmm. he would be good and and he would end up being like you know helpful in the end. But obviously, I was wrong. <laughs> Well, he gets pissed off. He's like, I dried off next to you. Uh, like, we shared we shared a meal together and I dried off next. He's like hung up on this idea uh, that like, him drying off next to her is like some intimate, like unspoken bond that they have. And it's just it's just so gross. He like repeats it a couple times and he's kind of like looking away and looking back at her. Yeah, and, he yo. says, I dried off next to you. I ain't never done that with no one before. You know, he's like, he's just so, he's so gross about it. Uh, gross. There's a bunch of bugs all over this dude, which was a nice touch. He's like covered in fucking, there's like so many little gnats and bugs like oh, flitzing oh, all over his hair dude, and his fucking head. There's no bugs in this movie unless Sully is Bugs, there. yeah everywhere which kind of makes sense like if he's covered in like gore the way some of these other guys are i i I think sully represents sort of like the 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 deconstruction of you of the humanity of the whole subject you know I, I, I think Marin's character is sort of like the hopeful, hopeful child of life, you know, and then Timothy Chalamet's character, Lee, is sort of like the defiant, mm-hmm. arrogant aspect of life. Even though all of these characters are cannibals who are eating people, devouring people, the only time you ever see like decay in this movie it is when Sully is around because Sully is sort of like supposed to represent the just the the, the failure or the, the the decay of certain ideals. I think you're right. It's just the inevitability. It is the end of the equation, right? Like it is the outcome of this lifestyle. I think those are the dynamics that are entangled in this movie is sort of like hopefulness acceptance and like whatever the equivalent of like giving up is there's a difference between like accepting and just like giving up yeah lee is the acceptance of your your situation sully is just total abandon of uh, of your circumstances baron's moving on from sully she's like this guy's a freak i'm fucking out of here um this is where she tracks down uh, yeah, Lee's, Lee's sister. Yep, and you kind of you you kind of get the like a little bit more of the backstory with Lee and his father that they allude to earlier on. Lee's sister is kind of like, look, like I I don't know where he is. He was here for a few days or something, and then he kind of like moved on. 
but they, they she starts to unravel some of the dad trauma dad was wailing on me one day and him and lee started getting into it and i went to go get help and then when i came back it was just blood everywhere and we couldn't find my dad and lee said he took off and this is where you're like oh he ate that motherfucker <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. There's no way. I I can't imagine that anybody didn't think he, for a second, didn't eat his dad. Yeah, so then she she does end up tracking down Lee, and uh, they kind of, like, get into it a little bit. They're, like, out in nature somewhere, uh, like, kind of, like, staring at all these hills and valleys. She kind of, like, digs it out of him, right? She's kind of, like prying at like hey like you know I, I i ran into your sister she told me where i might be able to find you and she told me what happened with you and your dad and he begrudgingly kind of like confesses like yeah you know like i i just couldn't put up with my dad anymore and i put him in a chokehold and when he passed out like i i put him in his truck and i took him to a barn and then after the coast was clear i ate him i just ate just ate him yeah they kind of end they kind of end things in the in that scene where he confesses about his dad they're they're kind of embracing and they you know it gets really cutesy and romantic and they kind of make a decision that they're gonna try and live like normal people for a little while that they can stay here and they can kind of live out their life and just be normal and i think that the the thing they say is let's be them for a while yeah so it's been a it's been a hot minute since we've seen any brutality Really? They go to a state... Michigan. Michigan. I think they're living in Ann Arbor. In, uh, no, Michigan is where her mom is. We're not a geography podcast. Wherever they end up. They got like a little apartment. Yeah, they've got a they got a little apartment. They, they, they've learned to move on together. Lee is not like a bad person. Marin's not a bad person. Marin really wants to be a good person. She doesn't want to have to eat people. Uh, it, they go for a good, a solid couple of months where they pr- pretend, they do their best to pretend they're uh, they're good people. And then one day, Marin comes home. And we see the bag. It's Sully's tote bag. And it's in the house. <sighs> and so Sully shows up one day to, to meet up with Marin, who he just can't get over he pounces on her in in her apartment yeah because she she denied him she upset him she made him feel like he was creepy and weird he is both and, he is both of these things but he was the only really the i'm not honestly i'm still not against sully in this situation oh like, you're such a sicko yeah i knew you would this is a weird situation they're all creepers they're all eating people like obviously sully's a wacko but like you could be a little nice all right i i would agree with you except for the fact that he is wearing like the child molester uniform as far as sandals go did you see the sandals he's wearing (sighs) yeah it is a tragedy that he's wearing those but like you can help him you can't he's done he can be helped so he's got Marin pinned to the bed he's got a knife and she's trying to kind of like calm him down de-escalate the situation talk her way out of it and he's just rambling on and on about how like you denied me you don't want to be my friend you don't want to be a partner with me in this <clears throat> and she's like look like i wasn't gonna tell anybody about you i was just trying to move on with my life and he's like well you know too much about old sully i can't let you go this is true this is where uh lee 
kind of like sneaks in the doorway because he senses something's wrong. He must be able to smell him, right? Like I just assumed that like he could smell yeah. him. So he comes in and he kind of waits for his moment and he jumps on top of uh, Sully and tries to pull mm-hmm. him off Marin. And Sully gets a stab in. He catches Lee in the chest and they're fighting they wrestle the knife away and she stabs the shit out of Sully. Yeah. And so this whole movie, you know, Marin has been very reluctant. I, I don't think she, she's performed any violence. Not really, no. She Besides, like, besides the initial eating of her friend's finger, you know, Marin has been very adamant about, like, not having, like, she, she thinks she doesn't need to hurt people. Like, she's been being a good person. But she pops off, man. She, she does pop it. off at She's the end hitting here. him like a frozen Capri Sun. Oh, Just, yeah. Just, like, stabbing and stabbing and stabbing until she can find a hole to <laughs> fucking fit it in. Which eventually she does. Him and... Lee stumble into the tub where he's bleeding out, Lee's bleeding out, and there's blood everywhere. There is like two to six gallons of blood on the floor. Is it? This is a very bloody movie. Oh, yeah, no, that's. I, I immediately saw like all this blood floor. I'm like, you're never getting it clean. You're never getting it off that wood. Never. No, never. 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 So she pulls Lee out of the tub and. She, you know, he's like gasping for air. Apparently he got hit in the lung or something. So he's dying. He's dying on the floor. She's like, let's call an ambulance. Yeah. So, so Lee ends up getting hit in the lung. He's, he, you can't. Oh, what we, you know what? We forgot. We didn't even hit the title card of this movie. Yeah, we did. We hit the bones and all. How many, how many drinks have you had? Is it implying that the eaters in this movie are the eaters like supernatural i i think it's just like like the addiction thing where it's like you're chasing the high you're chasing the high you're chasing the high it just so happens that for the eaters they have that that thing where like if they eat the bones and all they do the whole person they can achieve that high that they're always chasing after Mm. but lee doesn't want to go out at the hospital he doesn't want help he's like we're never going to be able to explain all this away no. You know, we got an old dead guy in the tub. There's blood all over the place. Like, Marin and Lee are in the tub, and then Marin, like, to make sure that, that, uh, Oh, old Sully can't fight back. She like rips out his guts. She like pulls out his intestines in this really gross. Oh, scene. yeah. She like reaches inside. Uh, and, oh. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Uh, she, she pulls out all his testes. And then Lee is on the floor bleeding out, and he's like, Look, like, don't call an ambulance. I want you to eat me. She's like, I can't eat you. There's no fucking way I'm eating you. And he's like, I want you to eat me bones and all. It's my last wish. Yeah, he he does. He It's like this sad, sad scene because like they tried so hard and it, it, it wasn't necessarily like the most convincing scene because it was like the last 10 minutes of the movie, but like convincing enough because, you know, Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell are really good actors and actresses <laughs> that I was like, oh, look at them being normal people. And the fact that, like, Sully showed up. And the whole time, I just really wanted Sully to be, like, a good guy. Because I really thought that David Gordon Green's character... You are the only person. You're the only person who saw Sully and was like, he might make a... It might might make a turnaround in the third act. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he would, you know, be creepy. But I didn't think he would be, like, the bad guy. 
you know, like because like he was like the first person she saw. I thought he would be like the creepy but like helpful character. Like maybe he would show up to die at the end. I really thought like, you know, Texas Chainsaw cosplay dude would be the villain. Just goes to show. Just goes to show. Never trust me. So in the future, I plan to do some watch along, you know, video commentaries. When we do those, never trust what I'm saying the entire time because I am always going to be wrong. (laughs) I'll never be right. (laughs) It's always going to be highly, highly incorrect, whatever I say. But yeah, so, so, uh, poor, poor. We get the contents of Sully's bag though. <gasps> before, before everything wraps up, we find out that there's a new braid on the end of his, uh, rope. Oh, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's Lee's, Lee's sister. sister who he's like, throughout the whole movie, Lee has like, e- even in the throes of love with, um, with Marin. He has always been like, I only love my sister. And we see that like one of the braids of like, cause Sully in the beginning is like everybody I eat, I make a little braid of their hair and I attach it to my like wall, 70 foot long hair braid. (laughs) While Lee is dying, everybody sees the braid attached to the end that's his sister's and it's so heartbreaking it's so sad but then we we kind of cut from them crying on the floor together to the apartment is kind of cleaned up there's still some big blood stains on the mm-hmm. uh, floor and everything has been like mopped up yeah you can you kind of see the the dirty apartment then the room clean and then another dirty spot and then it's cleaned yeah, which is surely triggering for you but for me it felt perfectly normal <laughs> um and the the movie kind of ends ambiguously where like she starts to sort of like drink his blood and like chew on him uh we we don't get to see the full buffet uh, the movie sort of ends with a slow zoom in of Marin and Lee, like previously in the movie, like sitting on a rock in Nebraska. Oh yeah, it kind of closes yeah. out on them like embracing. Uh, so, so this is this is my one one of my you know gripes. I, I kind of would have preferred because the movie started off really brutal. The the whole middle part of the movie is like pretty tame given the subject matter. If the movie mm-hmm. had ended with us seeing Marin eating chunks of Timothy Chalamet, I, I think that would have sold it for me, you know? But the fact that they were like, we'll just imply it made me go like, eh, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. Like, just let me see you eating Timothy, all right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we said it up top. The movie, it it's definitely more about, like, the romanticizing of the two of them and, like, the on-the-road lifestyle. I think if we, if we could have got, like, you know, some sort of, you know, over-the-top cannibalism at the end that was more, you know, I guess, visual, it, it definitely would have been fucking harrowing. Right! Yeah, like, wait, I think uh, it straddled the line of of safety a little bit too tightly. Yeah, honestly, I think it would it would have doubled down on their thing too. Honestly, I don't think it could have hurt the. Film. No, I think if this was if this movie was a little bit more brutal, I I think the they would have an oddly wider audience. Yeah, like right now, I think they're a little too safe. Oh, my cat is attacking my mic again. <laughs> Ooh, that's a noise. 
Darla, cut it out. Darla, that's bones and all. So how do you feel about the movie overall? What would you give it? I think this is a solid six, six and a halfer. This is a this is a this is a watch. You don't have to run out to the theaters to see it, but when it comes out, definitely check it out. Yeah. Also, do you do you consider this a horror movie? I think it it falls back on the the Crimson Peak thing where it's it's not a cannibal movie. It's a romance movie that has cannibals in it. Very fair. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by uh, you know a feeling that I always have. It it's that. You know, horror is a much broader genre than a lot of people give it credit for. So I'm going to say this is a horror movie, but be be prepared for a bit more of a slow burn horror than you might have originally thought. Beyond what we are going to be covering next time, uh... I guess the only other thing I have left is to uh, plug our our Twitch stream. Yeah, me and Eric. Uh, if you watch, uh, oh yes, on so far, what have we, what have we been doing on Mondays? Yeah, like Mondays or Monday, Tuesdays, one of the two. Monday Monday nights, pretty reliably, we've been streaming on Twitch at at Twitch dot Matt X Young. You can listen to us play. Uh, a number of survival horror video games right now we're in the middle of playing the evil within two so that's 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 my plug for this episode uh definitely go check us out on the social medias at the devil's cup pod give us a review on apple podcasts and spotify if you could that'd be super helpful to us uh definitely check out some of our other episodes uh you know post thanksgiving now we'll be trying to get back on a weekly schedule of, you know releasing on tuesdays or no, excuse me releasing on yeah tuesdays and uh yeah i think that's good for this episode until next time i'm eric rossi and i'm matt young don't need anybody you don't need anybody or you know what eat, eat who you feel is appropriate to eat